Thank you for tuning in to the Meridian Friends Church podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss any of the sermons posted each week. You can also find more information about our church at www.meridianfriends.org or on Facebook or Instagram by searching Meridian Friends Church. Now, enjoy the sermon. Good morning, church family. It's good to see you all here. Isn't it good to see familiar faces? Although it seems like a lot of you I haven't seen this whole year. But here you are. Welcome. I'm going to be preaching in the key of C today. And there's no capo for that. I want to invite you to turn to Psalm 21, uh, 23, if you would. And I'm, I'm having you turn to an ancient psalm for a new year. And aren't you glad that our God who is beyond time, beyond ancient, is also our God today? What he says to us of old is new again as we continue to look to him and open our hearts. Pray that 2023 is a time for us of seeking him. Pray that it's a time for us of listening to him. Pray that it is a time for us of giving him indeed a new gift. I hope you're thinking about that still. What gift can I give to my king? Yesterday I fielded a phone call from someone. Seems they, for the last two years, did not know how to use their voicemail. This person was returning two of my calls from the month of June. I'm not kidding. (laughs) And I thought to this dear soul, after laughing about it together and talking, finally accessing this message, you know, isn't it good just to start over? To wipe the slate clean. (laughs) Just get rid of all those voicemails. I have a dear friend who's passed now, Jack Newell. And on his desk, he would keep it pretty clean. He wouldn't uh, keep a lot of stuff on it. And his philosophy was, if it's there on your desk for too long, just throw it away. And if it's important, it'll come back. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe 2023 is a good time to do that, don't you think? Hard to let go sometimes of familiar or uh, even of things that we feel obligated to. But God is new, and God is fresh, and God is here. I pray that we can do that with the right things. We can hold on to the right things and let go of the things that we need to let go of. Let me share with you a couple, or a very old prayer uh, from the Book of Common Prayer for this new year. O immortal Lord God, who inhabitest eternity and hath brought thy servants to the beginning of another year, pardon We humbly beseech thee, our transgressions in the past. Bless to us this new year and graciously abide with us all the days of our life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Whatever your resolutions might be this year, and I hope they are specific, but whatever they are, I would guess that you're like me and just hungry to draw closer to the Lord this year. I want to invite you to stand with me 
And I'm going to read from Psalm 23. It's a beautiful psalm of walking together with the Lord. David wrote this, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Would you pray with me, Jesus, as we look ahead to an unfamiliar and uncertain new year? It seems like if there's anything we've learned in the last couple of years, it's that we don't know what's next. So here we are gathered to worship, gathered to remember your goodness. And, has, and as has been said, thank you that you never change. Teach us, Lord, to seek you afresh this year. Teach us, Lord, to look for your guidance, your care, your protection. Teach us, Lord, how to walk more closely with you. Lord, we pray this individually. We pray this over our marriages today that we may better honor you and steward the precious gifts we have of family. Pray this over our parenting and over our grandparenting. Jesus, teach us to steward the amazing personal relationships that you have blessed us with. Teach us, Lord, to seek you in all these things. Lord, for any here who are really facing some uncertainties or in pain, who are afraid, help us, Lord, remember that you're present. For any who are suffering with guilt and shame and embarrassment, Jesus, help them to receive your grace today. Help them to find in you a good shepherd who knows them and loves them and forgives them and welcomes them. Thank you, dear Jesus, for grace. We pray this over our church community, over our church family. Lord, here we are to say we want to hear from you. We want to know what your plans would be over us and with us and through us, moving ahead. We so do not want to take any step without your oversight, your voice, your leadership. We know that there is so much work to do in this community and in this world. Jesus is an act of worship as best we can. We want to place our anxieties and our cares and our needs at your feet. 
thank you, Lord, for familiar words for unfamiliar times. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. When Teresa mentioned to me that she's going to bring a new tradition, is that an oxymoron, a new tradition? I think that's what it is, though. We're going to do it again, of writing down a gift to Jesus. And just so you know, can picture what happened in our family that day. All the presents were hostage. You don't get your presents until you write down your gift to Jesus. That's how that worked. And it was very effective. We had 100% participation. (laughs) And we'll pull those out next year and look at them and uh, talk about that together. I love that. But when she said that, it was really easy for me to know what I needed to write down because God's been talking to me about the same thing for several months now. And if I could summarize uh, what I hope 2023 is for me, it's listening. And my resolution or my gift to Jesus is very simple. God's telling me, listen more than you speak. It's that easy. Oh, and it's that difficult. I am one of those people that really likes his own ideas. Sometimes likes to hear himself talk. This is going to be tough for a preacher. I'm being accountable here. I'm reading my gift to Jesus aloud to you. I want to listen more than I speak. A dear friend once gave me a framed plaque by a Quaker Douglas Steer. And he said that perhaps the most precious gift that you can give to another person is to listen them into a place of disclosing their soul. And he was always a listener to me. And I want to be that to other people because I feel like there's such a glaring need in this world. Listen. I want to spend the next few Sundays hovering around Psalm 23 Because to me, it's a word picture, it's an image of the importance of listening, of walking together with. This isn't just how we sometimes picture Psalm 23, that it's me and the Lord. I think that's important. But one thing I love about the imagery of Psalm 23 is that we're together in a flock. Sheep aren't meant to be isolated. The lost sheep is the one he goes after. Psalm 23 should be a picture for all of us together to be directed, to be protected, to be watched over, to be led. And it starts with listening, doesn't it? It starts with us hearing the shepherd's voice. I'm going to plan to offer this in four pieces in the next few weeks. This morning I want to talk about listening on the go. Next week, I want to talk about listening beside quiet waters. That's maybe what we picture when we picture listening to Jesus. It's just setting everything else aside and going to the quiet waters. I want to talk a little bit about how God actually uses our problems to help us, to humble us, to remind us of our dependency on the shepherd. And then I want to wrap it up with listening at the table. There's this line that I just read in this psalm, and maybe it's so familiar, it sort of goes by us. 
but you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I'm thinking, I like this shepherd imagery. I like quiet waters and everything else, but Lord, why are my enemies there? <laughs> you ever wonder, you know, the wisdom of God's plan versus your plan <laughs> to help us to grow? And together we're called to be a flock or a church or a family. And we're called to share the same table together. So I want to, I want to talk a little bit about the uniqueness of listening as a group as well as we go. This morning I want to talk about listening on the go. And I'm contrasting that to listening beside quiet waters. When Teresa and I were in college, she had a friend. She once drove with this friend to the Portland area from Newburgh. So it was about an hour drive. And the thing that Teresa remembers about this one journey with her friend in the car is that she had the heat all the way over to the right in the car. And she is just dying in there thinking, is it rude for me to roll down my window or whatever? But as soon as she thought that, her friend took the dial and moved it all the way over to the left to cool. She feels the same way. I don't have to say anything, whatever. But then she did a really unexpected thing. She turned it again all the way over to the right. And once again, it was getting stuffy. And it dawned on Teresa. And she spoke up. It must have been bad because often she doesn't speak up, but she did speak up. And she said, Jenny, do you realize you can put that in the middle? <laughs> Honestly, this 20-year-old did not know that you can put it anywhere in between the two extremes and enjoy the temperature. Her whole life, her driving career, when she was in charge of the thermostat, was to go all the way to the right or all the way to the left. <laughs> Pretty incredible, isn't it? And what a great discovery. Speak up often. <laughs> you have a voice that we need to hear. <laughs> and that's true. When I think about listening to God, I think we think of this extreme of sitting beside quiet waters. So in other words, we think about listening, and then we think about going. Am I right? Quiet time is such an important thing to practice. I'll talk about it next week. Teresa gave you three important words for quiet time. Uh, I want to add to that. I want to talk a little bit about how to have that and how to do that beside quiet waters. But before I do, I, I just want you to know it isn't all or nothing. If you're a busy person, it's still important to be listening for the Lord in the middle of your busyness. Can we say that? Our listening to Jesus is not just about a certain time of day or a certain day of the week or like this sanctuary, a certain place that we come. These are all very important ingredients in developing our relationship with Jesus. But our relationship with Jesus is all the time. And, and if it isn't on the goal, I want to suggest to you that it actually just isn't. Our listening to Jesus is not something separated from the rest of our experience and the rest of our life. It's to be integrated into all of our thinking and all of our activity and all of our relationships. So I want us to think for a few minutes today about what that looks like to listen on the go and I'm not going to get very far in this psalm today, 
because I can't get past the first phrase. The Lord is my shepherd. I promise I won't still be here in 2025. But this one phrase just says so much. These five simple words, the Lord is my shepherd. There's so much to unpack in, in just this one small phrase. I want to point out at least three things that I think this means for us. To listen even while we're on the go, even while we're busy. First, listening requires relationship. I don't want to take that for granted, but I notice the personal pronoun listed here. The Lord is my shepherd. If there's anyone within the sound of my hearing who has never accepted Christ as their Lord, as their good shepherd, his invitation is open. He came into this world out of love. He paid the price for our sin. There's no need to stay separate from the voice of Christ in your daily life. He delights in relationship. He made you. He loves you. And it's all about that, isn't it? It's about personal relationship with him. And I believe that God still speaks to us even after we cross that line and receive Jesus, don't you? In fact, I think Jesus is speaking to us all the time. It's just that we're not necessarily tuned into it. We have some friends that have taken us to several of the Boise Philharmonic Christmas Pops concerts. And I really enjoy those. My mom, back in the day, used to be quite an accomplished violinist. And so when I go to the concert, and uh, each time I've gone, I always listen for the violins. And I know the violins are one of the louder instruments, so maybe that's not fair, but I can always hear it. And it causes me to pay attention and look at a different instrument and to hear that instrument, and then to look at a different instrument and hear that instrument. Do you ever do this? I don't know if any of you don't really care for classical music or don't do it, but but if you've had that experience, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The voice of Jesus is present amidst all of the other voices that you are hearing day in and day out. It's just a matter of recognizing that voice. It's a matter of becoming familiar with that voice. This works in all of our human relationships as well, right? I watch my grandson when his mom uses his name with a different tone and uses his last name with his name. It's very different. He's learned that voice. <laughs> There's a personal relationship there that's very different. One of the things I love about being a grandparent is I've never used his last name <laughs> or even his middle name. <laughs> Can't understand why they'd ever have to do that. Begins early, doesn't it? It's about relationship. It's about beginning to recognize what Jesus' voice sounds like and to tune our attention there. It's not about just waiting for the violin solos. It's about recognizing it all the time. Even when life feels a little overwhelming and feels chaotic and feels busy. A couple of words about relationship that I would connect to this simple phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, it's a statement of dependency, which is so crazy in this world, right? 
We long to be independent. That's in our nature. We, you know, goats fend for themselves and they, they uh, can defend themselves with their horns, but not sheep. They're, they're dependent, right? Is that, is that okay? I'm a soft, fluffy sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. It's, it's a declaration of dependence. I'm reliant upon leadership. My goal, frankly, is not to take care of myself. And our goal as a church should not be to figure everything out on our own and to be independent. It should actually be a willingness to be dependent. But it goes, more, it goes beyond that. It actually strikes at ownership. Sheep are not their own, Right? You know, it seems cruel, but in the ancient world, instead of spray paint or branding or in whatever other way a shepherd marks their sheep these days, or an ear tag, in those days, they would take a knife and cut a notch in the ear so that the shepherd could recognize the sheep from a distance, which ones were that shepherd's sheep. I'm telling you, that's severe, isn't it? It's, it's ownership. There's a cost there. And sometimes we don't like that. Sometimes we don't always want to be identified with pain and suffering and servanthood in a world that's eager to hurt, to abuse, to take advantage of. It's almost like the world is supposed to be able to look at this flock and say, I recognize the only I can see it in their lives. It's about recognizing the voice of Jesus above every other voice. I got to thinking about this listening on the go thing and relationship. Second thing I want you to see is that this kind of listening involves movement. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but again, Listening besides still water, being stationary or passive in a way is a time to listen. But being on the go and being active and moving is also an important part of listening if Jesus is our shepherd and if we are sheep. Why? Because you have a leader and you have followers. What does that mean? Well, that naturally means he's going somewhere. Are you with me? We have to be able to learn to listen on the go. As a matter of fact, if we start out listening and the shepherd says, go this way and starts to go that way and we don't follow, do we still hear his voice? No. In fact, we have to stay close enough to the shepherd to hear his voice. We have to keep up. This involves motion. This involves an act of obedience on our part, many times leaving something that we would rather not leave, right? It's that whole ownership and dependency thing, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I'm familiar. That's Jesus saying that. But that's hard to do sometimes. To walk into a new situation that we don't fully know everything about or have control over. Am I just preaching to myself to say that one? I like to know the details. I want to know the plan. I want to guarantee success. I want to make sure. And so I have this tendency 
to overemphasize the detail. But isn't it true that when God calls his people, his flock, to do something in the Bible, it's often kind of, I had a friend remind me of this the other day, it's often kind of nebulous, undefined. What is that going to look like? Moses, go to Pharaoh, tell him to let my people go. Um, could you tell me more? <laughs> Have you met Pharaoh? Do you know who I am? What if he doesn't listen? The details are not there. And, and every time Moses throws out an argument in Exodus about this, God always replies the same way. So now go, I will be with you. So if the shepherd's going, the only way for us to continue to hear his voice is to go into the nebulous, the undefined, the scary, the new, the different, the difficult. And some of us don't like that by personality. I'm not crazy about heights, personally. I struggle with that a little bit. Um, I did take a balloon ride in Egypt, if you saw some of those pictures. And believe me, that was a step <laughs> for me. There were two of us that really weren't so excited about it. These baskets hold 28 people. And they're not, they're not tiny little baskets. So I was able to huddle very comfortably in the middle <laughs> and, 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 and to stay there. And what is it that I don't like about them? I have zero control, right? <laughs> I have zero control. What do you mean hot air is going to raise all of us? I don't know. <laughs> if you look through Scripture, you'll see lots of examples of God saying, go, move, leave, get going. And I just listed some in case you want to write some down to think about. I think in each one of these cases, it was unclear to God's people exactly what this should look like. There wasn't uh, a roadmap to the next pasture, let's say. There was just the voice of Jesus offering to come alongside them and with them and ahead of them. And it was their choice to go or not to go. And when we choose not to go, when God says go, then we miss that intimacy with shepherd. And, and this can be simple, even on moral issues, not, not like, what am I going to do with my life or my career or anything else? But on moral issues, if you know God has said something to you, this is a gift to give to Jesus, this is a resolution, this is an area of life I'm talking to you about, and you say no, I'm convinced that that widens the separation of our ability to hear his voice. Because we're not following. Because we're not staying in step. And that's the challenge, isn't it? The more we obey, the more we go, the more clearly we're going to discern and recognize and hear his voice. So I think of Abraham in Genesis 12, right? So now go to a land I will show you. Well, where's the details in that? Try to pitch that to a committee. <laughs> Where's the budget? Where, what are we going to do? Go to a land I will show you. Take the first step, Abraham. And what does he do? 
he packs it all up and he goes. It's incredible. And what happens in Abraham's life is, is equally incredible. He continues to speak to Abraham because he went. And then, you know, I mentioned Moses standing there at the burning bush with his cold feet by a warm fire. And he tells him over and over, you need to go. And I'll show you what I'm going to do when you get there. But you need to go in order to keep listening. You're not going to see any of the fireworks right now. I'm going to show you. You have to go. So now go, so now go, so now go. And he finally says, I can't do it, send Aaron. And it actually says the Lord is angry. Do you remember that conversation at the burning bush? Trust me. Um, and then in Exodus 33, it's time to take them out and go, to the pro- go into the desert on the way to the promised land. Well, there's a logistical problem. <laughs> How many people? <laughs> Have you seen the desert? It's not very inviting. Um, numbers, uh, 1330, they spy out the land. It's, it's time to cross over. The whole, by the way, the whole generation there, they die in the desert. Why? Because they wouldn't go. And it's right there in, in Numbers 13. Caleb comes back and he says, it's plenty. It's true. There's, there's milk and honey. And the others are saying, but there's giants in the land. But Caleb says, it's time to go. And the committee says, no way, it's too risky. We're not going to do it, right? And once again, it, it actually describes God's anger. And that's mysterious to me. I, I don't know a, a whole lot about God and emotions or, or the all-knowing God, knowing what they do, begin, you know, being frustrated, whatever. I, I don't know, but I know this much. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. And because of that, this whole generation died in the desert. God allows that to happen. He allows us to have free choice. If we say no, I'm not going to follow you because it's too scary and I'm unwilling, then he'll wait for somebody who will. He'll find somebody else. The next generation, they get to cross over. Um, It carries over in the New Testament, right? Jesus' invitation is so consistent. Two words, follow me. Over and over and over and over and over again. So there he is by the shores of the Sea of Galilee with uh, Peter and Andrew in 4.19. Come, follow me. His invitation is always the same. Come, follow me. What does that mean? That means put your nets down. Let go of your security. Walk away from this in order to go to that. Wow, what a journey was started at the Sea of Galilee with those two, right? They had no idea what was, what was going to happen. But God gives us free will. God gives us choice as to whether we're going to follow or not. Uh, Matthew 28, it continues with, these are just a few examples of the Great Commission. What does it say? It says, go! <laughs> oh, and it also says, and I'll be with you the end of the age. But it means go. (laughs) And they will literally give up their lives. They will bear the mark of Jesus on their lives. They will be recognizable as his because of their obedience, because of their listening, because of their willingness to leave 
what was familiar and what was comfortable in order to follow Jesus. Didn't they? And then they're told to wait in Jerusalem. That's more like the still water scene, right? Wait in Jerusalem until um, I give you this gift that you need. And it just stood out to me even this morning. Some of you just started reading through the Bible with us as Teresa mentioned in Acts 1 this morning. It even stood out to me this morning that there they are and they waited a whole 40 days listening to Jesus, the resurrected Christ. And it says that he spoke to them about the kingdom. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't you like to be in, the, in that company and to hear whatever Jesus, the resurrected Christ, had to say to his church? Sometimes he says, stop and listen. And sometimes he says, go. Right afterwards, Acts 1.8, he says, now, now, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And then you're going to have to go to Judea and Samaria. And then you're going to have to go to the ends of the earth. And it forms this whole structure of the book of Acts and everything else we see in the New Testament. And it's about going. And the truth is, so much of the time, we're really not listening to Jesus. It's not more spiritual to do nothing. And to be passive. I even saw this the other day in Revelation 22. If you saw my comments, this really spoke to me. Revelation 22, at the end of all things, and all these plagues have been poured out on the world and these seals have been busted and, and there's silence in heaven for the reverence of all the death and the violence and the judgment. Afterwards, it's a beautiful picture of, of Jesus as the bridegroom and the church as the bride and what does the bridegroom say to the bride? Come. Even then, the journey's still going. Come. It's movement. It's not sitting still. So everything I'm saying, listening requires faith. And what is faith but believing in something that we can't see? It's holding on to something that, that, that we hope for but we don't see that or it's not faith. And the scripture says it's impossible for us, Meridian Friends Church, to please him without faith. What hard thing is God asking you to do in your marriage, in your parenting, in your family, with your business, in your neighborhood, with your committee, with your small group, with your church? What difficult thing are, are you more likely to say no, I will just stay right here. Faith. Being willing to let God work out the details for us. We belong to a really old tradition as a friend's church. With the arrival of 2023, it's now been 371 years that George Fox had a vision on Pendle Hill of a people to be gathered. George Fox is a radical, let me tell you. He was not appreciated for his willingness to go when Jesus said go. He was rejected for it. He paid the price. By the way, he was a shepherd. But he knew what it meant to follow Jesus to do something different. 
Somehow movements become monuments, don't they? They do for all of us. I love being part of a rich tradition because I think we've been trying to figure stuff out for a long time and it makes us better. And, and I'm glad to have that accountability of history. We not only have a heritage to honor, we have a future that is ahead of us that God is calling us toward to live into. And the only way we can honor those who've gone before us in the faith is a willingness to do as they did and do something that was scary and hard and difficult sometimes. And somebody said the greatest thing about early Quakers is that early Quakers didn't have early Quakers to refer back to. They were radicals. And that's hard for us. Can I just say that? It's hard for us. New Year's is naturally a time we think about where we're at, where we're going. And our church has been doing that for several months, as you know. We're, we're just starting with ideas and, con- and, and, and talks and everything else. 20, uh, New Year's is a time for us naturally to think about goals. But I just want to tell you, the problem that I have found as a leader with churches setting goals is it, it just seems somehow unintentionally to come across as ungrateful for the past or discontented at the present. If we look and we say, okay, this is a horizon God's calling us to, it's different than what we're doing now, it's going to cost us something, it, it just feels like we're criticizing what we're already doing. Uh, I'm just throwing that out there as a problem. <laughs> it, sometimes setting goals as a church feels presumptuous. Well, we're just going to listen to God. I hope so. <laughs> and I know that he speaks in a lot of different ways, sometimes through radicals like George Fox that we don't want to listen to. He's not learned. He hasn't earned credibility. <laughs> he just claims to have heard God. And, and, and it's hard for us to listen to dreamers. That's the other thing that, that I think is so hard. It feels ungrateful sometimes. It feels presumptuous, like, you know, we're coming up with something for God. And, and third, it seems impractical to people. These dreamers, these, these people have big ideas. And I want you to relook at that list and consider how God works. He calls us to things that are, that are so much harder than we could begin to do on our own. And it pushes us into a territory of having to keep listening to the shepherd by our sheer willingness to take the step. So did you know Meridian Friends Church turned 60 years old in February? February 23rd, 1963, a group of 33 people met on the first Sunday of Meridian Friends. I'm sorry to say I really haven't made any big plans for our birthday, so I'm honoring it now. (laughs) Happy birthday birthday is for sure. Aren't we grateful for the sacrifice of others? I didn't look at all the people who are online uh, yet this morning, but um, we have no charter members in this room. We have at least one that comes very regularly. Patrice and I have been around half the time of the church, roughly half the time of the church has been around. And, and one of the rich things about doing that is we got to see those pioneers and meet them and know them. 
And one of the dear pioneers uh, that, that we knew, besides Jack that I already mentioned, was Helen Sherman. Uh, she's been gone for some time. But a dear lady, and, and our church began in she and Stanley's living room in 1963 in CUNA. I want to read to you what she wrote about our history. Early in the year 1963, at prayer meeting, the lesson for the evening was taken from Joshua chapter 3. This chapter relates to the story of the crossing of the River Jordan by the Israelites. Their faith is revealed by their willingness to step into waters, the waters of the Jordan. God stopped the waters and the Israelites crossed solely on dry ground. That detail stood out to me recently so much. They had to get their feet wet to step on dry ground. Wouldn't, wouldn't we rather just say, you know, they did cross during the flood season. Did you know that? I mean, if the depth of the Jordan isn't a problem, the sinking is. Dry ground. The only way they found the dry ground was to put their foot out there. Our pioneers knew that. She writes, Surely this lesson was meant for Meridian friends. It seemed it was time to get our feet wet as the Israelites were willing to do, to step out in faith, trusting in God. Those present that evening believed it was to have uh, regular church service even though a building had not been found in which to meet on Sunday. I mean, wouldn't it be better, wouldn't it be more logical to get some of these things beat up? The Stanley Sherbin home was offered until a suitable building could be found. On February 24th, 1963, Meridian Friends held their first church service. Five classes were formed with a total attendance of 33. Our pastor brought a message that was inspiring to all as everyone realized that Meridian Friends was really getting started. After four Sundays in the Sherbin home, the American Legion Hall in Meridian was obtained from uh, March 24th, 1963 to January 17th, 1965 when they found this property and began to build it and had their inaugural service here. And the rest is, as they say, history. Or is it? Isn't God still writing the story? <laughs> I should give special notice to a couple of young people who are sitting toward the back today. <laughs> Did you know that when Mark and Bonnie Jerome showed up, was it later in the 60s? Is that about right? That Kenny and his siblings were the youth group. Thank you for your faithfulness. They've put up with a lot of change around here, don't you think? <laughs> I guess the reason I bring it up is... I've been wondering, as we're doing a vision process and everything else, by the way, at 11 o'clock, which isn't very far away right now, at 11 o'clock, I want to turn this into a conversation. In the Emmaus Hall, you already know, 2023 on the road ahead. I'd love to just sit with you and hear what you have to say. I've got some things I want to process with you, some questions, some thoughts about the future of the church. So, love to have you come. Uh, 11 o'clock right there. We'll resume Sunday school next week. But I want to turn that into a dialogue just to get you started. I looked at our directory. Good news, there's 111 households on the MFC yellow pages right now. Bad news, 90 
one of those households are 50 years old and older. And I'm one of them. That's really bad news for you. <laughs> and I think about the future, don't you? It's hard to do. It feels ungrateful sometimes. It feels risky. It feels uncertain and murky. It's hard to do. But I think it's, I think it's an important thing to do. And I guess the reason I bring this all up is I wonder what people 60 years from now, should the Lord tarry, what they would say about our faithfulness. What they would say about our willingness to follow as Jesus leads. And I pray that lives are changed for eternity. I mentioned that statistic, and, and it breaks down to this. 82% of our households are 50 years or higher. The other statistic I keep in mind with that is that 90% of Christians say they made a commitment to Christ at 18 years or younger. I want to be effective. I don't envision retirement at some point as handing the baton to generations older than I am as much as I love and adore them. I envision handing it to generations that are younger than I am. Would you pray with me? Jesus, at the start of a new year, we want to humbly confess that we are your sheep. We have no ownership, no right, no claim, no wisdom. For your church, it all belongs to you, our good shepherd. Jesus, teach us, we pray, how to listen, not just in the moments of stillness, not just under the ideal conditions of less pressure or less busyness, not just in the green pastures and the quiet waters, but Jesus, help us to listen to you, especially when we're trying to keep up with you. And you're telling us to go. Help us, dear Jesus, to hear your voice. We know that it takes all kinds of different churches to reach all kinds of different people. So Jesus, show us what kind of church we could be. Not for the 1960s or 70s or 80s or 90s. Not for the 2000s, not for the 2010s, maybe not even for the 2020s, but beyond. Help us, Lord, to continue along a line of faithfulness of hearing you and following your voice. In Jesus' name we pray.